0: Okay, start your engine! Hello everyone and welcome to Righteous Kicks, the podcast where two science fiction writers geek out about men in spandex bodysuits who kick evildoers to death in abandoned quarries until they explode. I'm Iori
1: Kusano. I'm Brandon O'Brien. And we've just gotten into the le- the next 16 episodes of Kamen Rider Drive. That's episodes 17 to 32. And we have a lot of feelings.
0: Can we talk about how great Savagami Rina is?
1: <sighs> I Right. So, for those who have been watching along, when we last left off on episode 16, um, in our last episode of Righteous Kicks, uh, Sawagami Rina was apparently hypnotized by a Roid Mute who looked just like someone we hadn't met before. And we were like, um, are you, like, going to throw away your whole life for this? Are we going to have to, like, save you from a Roid Mute who has now, like, taken over your entire mind? Only to realize, nope. She's bamboozled us again! Like, Drina is very good at lying to the audience about how she feels and what she's doing, and that's perhaps the most badass thing of all, that she's not only ca- very capable of lying to uh those around her, but even we don't know at moments like this whether she's being taken advantage of or she's one who has all the power.
0: I think that's more a trick of the writing and shot composition than it is of hers, though, because Shinosuke tells us about how, oh, yeah, she was passing us clues. It's just like, okay, so you just kept that off screen from us. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That said, like, because this is the second time we've played with the idea of has Rinna betrayed the team?
1: Like, if there's a third time, it better be for real. I mean... To be perfectly honest, there are technically clues, and those clues are technically established. But they're not really clues. You just kind of have to go back and go, oh, that's what Rinna was doing at that point in time. Now it makes sense, as opposed to making a different kind of sense.
0: Yeah, it's more that it recontextualizes her actions.
1: Yeah, which is, I think, still useful, because she always takes actions that require recontextualization. Are you being possessed by this roid mute? No? Then why did you just run out of the office without anybody seeing you? Oh, it's because you wanted to save this guy. You wanted to save your long-lost love and figure out why the hell he, like, suddenly broke up with you in the middle of the day and blamed it on work. Guy was a dick.
0: I mean, I think it was pretty well implied that they were in college or grad school or something. Where everyone breaks up at the drop of a hat anyway?
1: God, that sounds terrible. That sounds like a life I don't want to live. Grad school's very stressful. Fair. But they seem to have it in hand. Like, they seem to be both very capable in their fields and have enough time to walk in the park on a daily basis, hand in hand, and be cute.
0: True, but I can think of someone who Rina would be cuter with.
1: And who might that be? Hmm.
0: You know where we're going with this because they were fake married in episode 27. I'm super duper here for Ota and Rina.
1: So am I. Ah, uh, I have so many fix about this. This is my legit only real OTP in Kamen Rider Drive. Gen and Rina.
0: When Gen was talking about breakfast, he didn't say that she'd be the one cooking even though she gave him that dirty look. I bet you he would cook. He seems like the kind of guy who could cook.
1: He does. He does. He seems like he seems like a person who would actually be uh, at peace in domestic life.
0: Oh yeah, I think he has an extremely strong
1: domestic streak. Yeah, so long as he still gets to be a cop, I think he'd be glad for that.
0: I bet he goes home in vacuums to take the edge off after a hard day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> With an apron and a bandana around his head. I believe it. Yes! But like, also, they were undercover in that episode. Yes, I just... Fake married. They were just pretending to be newlyweds so they could, like, get into this housing complex and try to figure out why people were passing out. And what Royd Nude's plan involved dozens of couples getting in heated fights and then just falling asleep in the street. But they were dedicated to it in a way that was not a joke. Like, that was, there was a hundred percent something there. And I thought that that was actually kind of cute.
0: Fake married is one of my favorite
1: tropes
0: so i'm just so glad we went here
1: <laughs> <laughs> the thing is it's not even particularly one of my favorite tropes but this is the best example of that trope i've ever seen at least in live action television of any uh sort i like i they were just so fucking cute and seemingly genuine and i thought that it was really neat and i i want to say i hope that it happens again that's all i'm gonna say
0: what actually really got me was when hes Gen's frozen and they're taking him away on the stretcher and Rina's running next to the stretcher shouting, Genpachi! Genpachi! That bit wasn't pretending.
1: No, it was not. And I mean, part of the reason why I'm also kind of into that, why I ship this so hard, is because back when Rina was potentially hypnotized by a roid mute, Gen says a thing that is supposed to be actually like callous and considerate at that point. When they're, like, chaining her up to make sure that she doesn't, like, give away of her possession. Gen seems, like, personally very hurt about the fact that she wants so badly to be in a relationship, but has never considered him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And then this happens, and it's like, this is what it would look like, Gen. I hope that this happens for you. I just have a lot of feelings. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, this is probably the only ship that I'm really seriously on board with for this show. I know the narrative is trying to sell me on Tomari and Kiriko, and, uh, I'm not buying, I'm sorry. Is it
1: really, I'd like, this is a particularly curious part. Um, I'm not gonna lie to you and say, like, try to hint at whether that happens or not. It happened. And it's actually kinda dull. I know, I know. But like, the show, to me, doesn't establish that at all. Like, they never feel like anything more than co-workers. They feel like they're very close because of the nature of Shinovsky's particular due in the special crimes unit. But they don't seem like they are emotionally close like that. Which is what makes episodes later on that actually have incredible comedic timing um, really, really annoying. But we haven't gotten there yet. That's far past the uh, 32 episode. But when it happens, you're, also, you're going both delightfully amused and really annoyed.
0: Okay. No, I can go back and pull out all the foreshadowing for this. Leaving apart the part where, like, they're, you know, lead characters of opposite genders in a Japanese TV series and therefore just fated. Mm. (laughs) It was basically set in stone from the moment she approaches him on the lawn and drags him away with the handcuffs. But there's that whole bit At Tomari's birthday, way back in episode 11. Right. When she takes him out for dinner, and then everyone else turns up and is like, what, did you think this was a date? And you can sort of see in his face, yeah, he did actually kind of think this was a date. And I think part of the whole getting Kiriko to smile thing is supposed to be flirty banter, even though it's terrible.
1: Exactly. It actually comes across as inconsiderate more often than anything else. Mm-hmm. But like the o- the other reason why I'm so baffled by the idea that um Shinosuke and Kirikou ship is because the show is also trying to really force Kiriko and Chase. Like that's what I'm seeing a lot. Like
0: We're skipping early to the Kiriko and related damages column today.
1: Oh god, because we have a lot of related Kiriko damages.
0: Oh boy, I have a lot to say about that.
1: But like, so, Chase has still been having mind problems. Medic, when Medic appeared, decided, well, let's just wipe his brain again even more. And Brain, because Brain has jealousy issues. Decided he was going to undo some of that, and then Chase now is like having moments about struggling with who am I supposed to protect? Is it news of the humans? That eventually leads to him literally kidnapping Kiriko and then going, What am I doing? This isn't cool. Here, Kiriko's brother, have your sister back, I'm leaving. Mm-hmm. And what the fuck is that? And then uh, like. Why? Why? I'm particularly annoyed by the earlier episodes that we've seen doing so much work to establish that Kiriko is not only attached to Chase because Chase saved her life, however many ages, but that there's something more there, that Chase Mm -hmm. has some potential humanity left to redeem, and that she goes out of her way to literally save him from death, literally bring him back from brink of death. Just to humor that... Because I feel like, as a result, the thing that the show is attempting to establish for us at that point is...
0: A real bad love triangle?
1: Right? Like, what if Kiriko fell in love with a robot that tried to kill her? Nah, I'm good. I'm good, thanks. You can keep it.
0: Well, they're definitely playing it with that bit where she smiles at him and Tomari's like, Hey, you're smiling! You don't smile at me like that.
1: So, they're trying to go there, and I really wish they wouldn't. And the whole thing at this like, speed dating party from episode 16, where Mm -hmm. they were like, Oh, this roadmute shows you your perfect man? Why is your perfect man Chase? Like, what? Why?
0: Why? Yeah, like, here's the thing about Chase. I mean, insert that meme about I want to protect it, I want to see it grow up healthy, I want to tell my friends and neighbors about it. (laughs) Despite the part where, like, I like him and I want good things for him, I, like, actively unenjoy his presence on the show because I don't trust the writers to handle him as anything but conflict fodder.
1: Uh, I will say, at least, that the show has, at this point, treated him better than it did at the first 16 episodes and that they will treat him even better later on.
0: I would like it if his internal turmoil was expressed in ways that weren't limited to hunching over screaming.
1: So, so would I. I say this as somebody who actually, like, one of the reasons that I like Chase is when he transitions away from uh being the roid assassin for hire and into being a Kamen Rider, which is a thing that happens. He gets a belt and becomes Kamen Rider Chaser, and the suit looks better. Um, in ways, but we'll get to that. I actually think he kind of becomes more interesting as a result. He has finally made a decision.
0: He gains the magic power of comic timing.
1: Which he's, like, preternaturally good at. Which is part of My the reason God. why I like him. Like, the minute he becomes a Cameron Rider, the show like, seems to be consistently aware of exactly how interesting it is for him to be his own straight man. Like, when he gets the Shingo axe, which is his uh, battle weapon, and its finishing move literally has a timer. Like, he presses the button, and then the axe tells him, wait. And he just puts it in the dirt and goes, well, I guess I'll just fight you with anything else that I have in my hand until it's ready. Mm-hmm. That's just fucking funny. That's hilarious. Why would someone build an axe that has to wait? <laughs> it's an axe! <laughs> It's hilarious. I love it. I loved
0: him in episode 28 when they make him go into his Roymude form so he can threaten Nira (laughs) just to get Tomari's suspension lifted.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Just the fact that he was so willing. Yes, I'm going to do the thing. And the whole thing is just so theatrical. Everything about that scene is brilliantly timed. It's so bad and I love it. Like, when Nira looks at him and goes, save me, please. And the next shot is Shinosuke with, uh, a whiteboard in hand saying that he's suspended. And like, mm-hmm. the, the fucking Kawaki posing is like, wow, this is really happening. Why would someone in the heat of danger not know that they're being made a fool of? Like, this is hilarious.
0: I'm also really enjoying the nobody asked me gag.
1: That was brilliantly timed. Like, everything about that was astounding.
0: It's good timing, it's a lot of fun, but also at the same time, how has Rinna not just picked his brain about everything he knows about heart and medic and brain? That's the first thing you do when someone does a heel face turn. You mind them for data about the enemy they've just deserted.
1: Eh, I guess they're also doing the other thing that you do when someone's made a heel fin, which is, Um, Give them space? Yes, we'll help you deal with this in your own time. We're trusting to be able to reach out to... Nah, like, Chase is available to tell you literally all the gossip. Like, you should... Y'all should just, like, have Chase for tea and just ask him shit. Like, I'm sure he'd just tell you everything. But nope, never happens.
0: Regarding having him for tea, this brings me to something I was pondering in an earlier episode. When Kiriko's nursing him back to health, She shows up with like two bouquets of flowers, no melon, no drinks, nope, no takeaway sushi, like Nope. You would think this poor, broken, convalescing boy might need something to eat? And then I was like, wait, does Chase eat? Is he so robot that he does not eat?
1: And I've been thinking about that because... We've seen heart eat. We've seen brain eat. We've never seen Chase eat. But we also don't know if roid nudes eat for fun or because they actually need to be nourished by food. I don't think they need to be nourished by food. But I think that they... I think that the other roid nudes for fun. And I think Chase is, like, over it. God, that's depressing! It is. In part because Kiriko doesn't fucking know that. But I guess we'll just sustain him with the look of a bouquet of flowers. I think that'll be enough. It ended up being enough, so I guess she wasn't wrong, but still.
0: I don't know. I think there would have been some real value into just getting some human food into that boy and showing him the things about humanity that are worth defending and stuff.
1: Yeah, like one burger, like, like a large fries or something, something.
0: Pretty sure that if you just fed a Roymude fried chicken, they'd be like, oh, you know what? I don't think I want to kill humans. I think I want the humans to stay alive so I can continue getting this.
1: I believe it. These these 11 herbs and spices are secret. I'll keep humans alive just long enough to always get <laughs> my day. Or until someone teaches the secrets of this special chicken meal that only humans can create. Humans are good for something after all. Maybe we will live in harmony. And speaking of living in harmony, I have a lot of feelings about Saijo Q.
0: Oh my god! Saejo Q and his Roy Mude twin!
1: <laughs> so for those who have been watching along, uh, Q, who is like the computer whiz of the special crimes unit, um, is discovered in episode 20 to have had a Roy Mewd living in his home for several days. In fact... The show has literally been establishing for us the whole time that he's been literally trading places in the office with mute who has cloned him since episode 13. At least on two occasions, Mude is in the office.
0: In fairness, we've been pretty preoccupied with other plot developments, so I think the team gets a pass on not noticing Q, like, parent trapping himself around.
1: (laughs) Because at every point, something even more hilarious is happening in the office at the exact same time. But, like, still, he's in the office. He's being given access to, like, very important information just, like, because. But, like, I also just really like this episode because it's just really cute. When we learn, oh, you're just an anime nerd like like that's that's the thing that we know about you was actually kind of heartwarming.
0: I'm a real sucker for supernatural, like, roommate stories, <laughs> to the point that I quit ri- I quit watching Fate Zero after Ryder died, because the only thing I cared about was the relationship between Waver Velvet and Ryder as it- weird, wacky roommates introducing Alexander the Great to the delights of, like, convenience store food and modern video games. So I was really, really here for this friendship, and I just want the spin-off episode that's Q taking the Mute shopping.
1: Right? Especially because the setup is also just that Q is such a very, like, intense otaku that on the day that a Mute tries to kill him, he gets that droid nude into a cartoon. Um, I just thought that that was really, not even necessarily really funny, but actually just really sweet. Uh, because, like, this is the thing that Q cares about the most. And now this is the thing that they bond over with, like, dangerous intensity still. Um, was, like, cool and pleasant. And I, like, I, I want that spin-off episode as well, but I want it to be just about how intense their fandom is for this uh, Murmur Mansion anime. And like, how how serious their feelings about whether she subbed or dubbed actually is. Because like, that's the whole thing. Like, this is literally how we find out that Kyu has a Roid Mute living. Because a Roid Mute tries to uh have an argument with a voice actress over whether she should be in the Murmur Mansion movie. And then he goes home to meet Q at his apartment and is like, Really? All of this for a cartoon, bro?
0: So this was also the first episode where we saw Medic transform into like her full Roymead self. I just gotta be like, okay, I'm sorry. Why does she have to have monster tits? I'm so sorry, it's just... I didn't think Roymudes need to have sexual dimorphism in their monster forms. Why does she have breasts?
1: Um, to remind you, I guess? I feel like this isn't even the worst.
0: I'm pretty sure that I would have remembered. Yes, I am watching Medic right now. <laughs> even if they had not given her, her monster form tits because she still has the same voice?
1: I don't know, like... I mean, I agree with you, but like... You know that you know that they were never going to give up on the idea of making sure that the female monster has. Of course. Of course she also has a monster corset.
0: And I'm also just like, okay, guys, I know you're trying. You don't get to count the monster form as the fourth recurring female character. We still only have three female regulars on this show. God, it's such a sausage fest in here.
1: I mean, if it still makes you any better, all of the women are actively in... Well, Medic is interesting because she's terrible.
0: Oh yeah, Medic's fun because she's vicious!
1: Yeah, she's cruel as fuck. And it's, it's partly fun because, like, her whole deal is she is part of some weird emotional affection triangle. Herself, heart, and brain. And Brain is just bad.
0: She set his emotional support handkerchief on fire. His Burberry
1: handkerchief. Yeah, like, just, oh, we're having a disagreement right now about whether we should deal with our present Kamen Rider situation in one way or another way. Both of these ways are good, but we're going to do it my way because I want Heart to like me. Also, fuck your hanky.
0: One of the things I did find fascinating in this set of episodes is that after Medic kills 072, the Q Roy mude, mm-hmm. she lies to heart about how it happened. Which came completely out of left field for me, because I figured she was fishing for his approval hard enough that she would not have risked lying to him.
1: No, it made perfect sense to me that she lied. Because she knows that Hart is the kind of person who has emotional connections to every Royd Muse, like, family.
0: Oh, 100%! But I thought that her cost benefit analysis was going to come out in favour of, what if he catches me? Nah,
1: I think she was always gonna play it that way. I think she was always go- I think her own desire to be ruthless to the Royd-muse Still is kind of emotionally lesser to the fact that I don't want to be the reason why heart doesn't like me. And I will do anything, I'll do anything in my power to make sure that I still have that emotional connection and that emotional power, especially brain or anyone else. I fully expect her to do other ruthless things this season and also not be honest about it. And I want that to give brain ideas but also i just think that this entire triangle this this triangle is strange it's not I, i like it because a lot of it isn't that like brain wants to be in a romantic relationship with heart or something like that but just that all of them want approval from heart and heart is like i love you all equally and i don't notice that any of these things are happening
0: Yeah, I definitely have some sympathy for how Brain seems to feel pushed out of their weird little family, but I actually do wonder how oblivious Heart actually is, or if he's just kind of bopping through, not noticing things because not noticing smooths his path through his interactions, as opposed to genuine not noticing.
1: I mean, I can see that as well, because Heart is typically very involved. Like, he knows a lot of what's happening around us so it could also very well be I just don't want to fight with you. You're all my friends. Let's just let bygones be bygones. She killed a roid mute for fun. That's fine. I love her just... which is weird, but it sounds like heart to me. I feel like this is a potentially valuable part to talk about Go and all of Go.
0: Go is having an awful lot of feelings.
1: Go has been apparently through f- a lot. Let's Let's try to be aware of all of the things that Go has been up to this point. He's gotten here from America.
0: I still haven't been proved wrong about him having a terminal illness of some sort. Just putting that out there.
1: I mean, I feel like this is particularly late in the season for us to not know whether he's terminal. But to be fair, you are correct. You have not been proven wrong.
0: Just, you know, we see a whole lot of space where he, like during and after fights when he's talking about how he doesn't have much time blah 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 and he just seems so physically wrecked then I'm just like okay okay when are you going to tell me about his diagnosis come on <laughs> i've watched enough dramas i know what it means when a guy's gritting his teeth like that that means that guy is dying of something
1: i mean technically he's dying of something
0: technically we all are but
1: <laughs> <laughs> but like i think we already know exactly what goes because he tells us in No Uncertainty around episode 28. Which is the whole intense, dramatic reason why he uh, cannot trust Royd Mudes and think that Royd Mudes can ever be good or... is because the person who created them is his father.
0: Dun dun dun!
1: <laughs> I wasn't gonna do it, but thank you. So yeah, like, that's his whole deal. He has this heavy hang-up about the fact that the worst creatures in the universe, like this um, interdimensional terrorist organ was made by his father for fun. And like he feels like it's his ultimate tea to solve that entire problem all by himself.
0: And Kiriko can never know, which just is not a solid strategy for handling this, but okay. You know, you're young and hot-headed, and I see why you think this is a viable plan.
1: But, like, it isn't. Kiriko's the cop here. You're literally just a photographer.
0: Okay, but Go also has demonstrated in this show that he doesn't even have the good sense to put his phone in manner mode when he's at the gym, so (laughs) I'm not actually sure that I trust him for higher-level planning.
1: Right, it's so interesting that this is a thing for you. Like, that's the one up.
0: It's inconsiderate! It's deeply
1: inconsiderate. I mean, this is true, but, like, it's Go. Yeah, he is. <sighs> he's so much fun. I mean, he is. But, like, I also want to say he gets... I mean, he's fun to watch, but in a less fun way than he was before. Because now his entire thing is...
0: Very self-destructive.
1: Yeah, like... He has even more hang-ups about Chase. Because why is Chase actually figuring himself out? Because then that means other people will like him. And then people like him. And he goes, oh, really? Y'all are gonna take the roid mute side? Then I'm gonna take the roid mute side. And he literally changes teams.
0: So I have to say that, like, I thought th- that Tomairi being suspended from the Force and not allowed to transform was going to give me the episode where Chase and Muck are basically handcuffed together, metaphorically, and have to learn to work together, and that this is what the paired bikes were setting us up for. I'm still a little disappointed that I haven't gotten this yet.
1: I mean, it's happening. I want the
0: forced team up.
1: I mean, the fact that their bikes turn into a tank establishes that at some point they're gonna do... Mm-hmm. Chekhov's paired <laughs> bikes. <laughs> it is still kind of surprising that it hasn't happened yet, but um, when it does happen it's because of a lot of things a lot of things.
0: Look, a lot of things happened in this set of 16 episodes. I'm not sure how much more plot we can cram into the last 16 here. You would
1: be surprised. we're gonna go. we're gonna go very, very intense from this point onward. And we'll get to why of, um, because we've gone so long. We've spent almost like twenty something episodes watching Shiosuke, uh be a badass, uh, in some way or form, whatever people define badass to be. And we've never learned anything about his family life up to this. He's just like this solitary, dirty Harry Kamen rider. And then we learn all of a sudden. That his father was also a police officer, because of course. Of course. I mean, like, why not? Why would he not be a officer? Like, of course he was.
0: I feel like I expected him to be a police officer. I expected him to die differently, though. I thought it was going to be, like, some super tragic in-uniform death instead of, it was my day off and I was at the bank.
1: Ah, that's the interesting thing. That bank story about when he takes a shot to the shoulder during a heist uh, to save a little girl, he didn't die there. That's the whole thing. Everybody keeps going, how did he die?
0: Mm-hmm. Right, everyone says the death doesn't add up, and I'm still waiting to have this fully demonstrated.
1: Yes, it hasn't yet. But, like, it's all- part of the reason why I'm so intrigued by this story is the fact that not only does his father not come up until this late, but the idea that his father's death is under mysterious circumstances sounds like the kind of deal that the cop son of a cop father would really attach to. And like he hears it like it's news, like it comes up to him, like it's never come up to him before. Like he like how would it not have?
0: I feel like the answer to that question almost certainly rests with Tomari's mother, who the series has not been good enough to
1: introduce. Nope, because she doesn't, because she never had a batch. She's not important. She's just a woman. I say this like, I say this like it doesn't bother me, it bothers me a lot. Oh boy, it bothers me so much. I can't even, I want to say that she probably comes up in some kind of purely domestic context, but I don't even remember if she ever comes up at all. I don't think it happens. Boy. I think what you see is what you get. The only thing that matters is that Tomari Esuke died and somebody knows why he's dead and is keeping it a secret. And apparently the Secretary of Defense knows. It's like, okay.
0: Yeah, because the Secretary of Defense is a Roy mute because apparently corruption does go all the way up. Yep. We really are getting more intensely cop focus in these episodes, like, starting with 18 and 19, which is Gen's day in the spotlight, and we get this sort of more pure procedural action than we've had so far.
1: This is, for those listening, um, legit the most police procedural episode arc of Kamen Rider Drive you may ever see. And that's saying a lot because Drive is very, very police drama. But, like, this is the episode where Gen literally stakes his own badge on solving the case that got away from him and his mentor. Like, it's very emotionally intense. It's very full of man pain. I mean, the good kind of man pain where people are actually responsible.
0: It's so Early 90s cop movie!
1: Yeah, it's like, it's very good. Like, these are legit perhaps the episodes that, um, I would probably use to get somebody who has never seen any tokusatsu to start. Like, the reason, the reason why I picked this is because it's so, who already have experience with a certain kind of drama to just jump in. If they were having difficulty jumping into episode one, I'd tell them jump in from episode two. Like, just see this and tell me if this is The kind of character you're into. And then you can enjoy the slow burn. Of discovering whether Shinosei is actually a detective. But like deal with Gen. Right now. Experience the fact that Gen is. I mean kind of bumbling in his way. But also very intensely. Into his job. Into the idea that uh, a cop's honor. Is ensuring that people who have suffered. Can be righted by justice. Like. So good. And the fact that. Because we're also at this point where Roid Mutes rely on their like engagement with human emotion in order to continue evolving. The fact that we learn that Gen's retired mentor, Tachibana, literally used the Roid Mutes' powers to lure the real killer out. And then he has to be confronted by Gen, who's like frustrated and almost to the point of tears asking him, why are you doing this? Don't you know that this is the wrong way to get justice? It's like, so good! So many feelings!
0: That said, the whole Judge Time Revenge website thing was ripped straight from
1: Hellgirl. Oh yeah! Oh yeah, definitely. Hellgirl predates this by a, a couple years well, if I recall.
0: Oh, like seven years,
1: I think. About, I believe it. But, like, it's just also a very good gimmick. I'm pretty sure this is a gimmick that other Kamen Rider series has used <laughs> as well, in some way or form. But, like, it's just, I feel like part of it is because that idea is also very interesting. The idea that when the forces that are supposed to ensure that people do not suffer aren't working, you can just go to the internet and ask somebody to uh punish evildoers for you. It, I mean, it's a very alluring idea. I'm not lying to say I'd love very much to be able to the internet and kick-clack and know that people who have gotten away from justice could just suffer. But like the fact that it's in this series as well, the fact that two police officers can look at each other and say, this is wrong and I'm going to do something about it, even though I know all the people actually also deserve to suffer, it's kind of neat.
0: The music cues in this episode were amazing.
1: Mm. I mean, it's also because... The emotional circumstances are so much more um heightened dramatically as a result. Like a lot of those, a lot of those moments don't necessarily change in any other episode, but because we're invested in this, because it feels like vintage nineties cop drama, it feels a little bit stronger. If I if I recall correctly, this is this is the episode arc where Gen also has his own personal kind of emotional conversation moment with a shift car.
0: Deco Traveler! And after dealing with Deco Traveler, like, the Enka car, his music cues actually do shift to be a little more Enka and Showa music influenced, which adds to that, like, sort of, uh, I hesitate to call it a period piece, but definitely that old-fashioned cop drama feel.
1: Which I actually like a lot. Like, I liked that scene. That scene was, I I got, I get the feeling like it was purposely supposed to actually be funny, but it was really to me Mm -hmm. in the same way that the Shinosuke holding uh, an umbrella over a shift car in the rain was, because immediately afterwards, Deco Traveler goes back to Krim and is like fired up and ready to go searching in the grass for this button that's going to exonerate the boy that died this time. It's like. Really? Because you had a conversation with Gen? I love it. I love it a lot. More of these more touching toy cars. That's all I want in life. I want a toy car to touch me that dramatically. <laughs> I want that's, no, the, the show has moved me. I want a matchbox car to change my life tomorrow. I want to be redeemed by a Hot Wheel. Because, like, these men are having some, like, touching experiences in their lives because they're talking to toy cars. I want to know that feeling. Please, change my life. I'm waiting. Please roll into my life and redeem.
0: I also felt like a lot of the footage used in this episode was a little more sunsetty, orangey, sepia than usual. But now I've just remembered that it was late at night and I have flux on this computer. So let me actually just roll that one back.
1: As you say that, a lot of these episodes are actually astoundingly comp- There is, as you mention, that those brilliant sunset shots. Um, episode 28 is perhaps one of the best looking episodes of Heisei era Kamen Rider I've ever seen in-
0: That's because you like the dramatic glaring up through my hair at you moment, though.
1: I mean, I did. Like, that idea of the villain, like, lying. On the road, looking up at Shinosuke with like rage in her eyes, and an entire curtain of hair just covering her left eye, and she's like seething at him. Brilliantly shot, but there's also a brilliant sunset shot in that episode when Shinosuke turns to look at Go as he storms off angry and frustrated. There's a brilliant shot of the drive pit in the dark, with the green lights coming out of the, the circle of the pit, that like, we've never even established that those are the lights in that op- in that building because the last time the lights were off there, there were no lights in the drive pit. But, like, that, that episode constantly visual decisions. And it was astounding.
0: Can we talk about the one bad decision in that episode?
1: Which was?
0: I'm sorry, I don't think the CG for the flying car is very good.
1: Oh no, they're not. They're not, I'm not gonna lie to you.
0: It's so painful! Every other shot is just artfully composed, and then you have Tridoron
1: just flying through it. Yeah. I mean, I tend to be forgiving to CGI like that, but every once in a while, it happens, and you you go, Eh, maybe you didn't do this. I
0: think it's an inherent limitation of the medium, because CGI just looks so dated so quickly. This show's, what, four years old?
1: Uh, about, if I'm not mistaken.
0: And it already looks this bad, and I know looking back in five years at the current common Rider, I'm going to be like, wow, some of these computer effects are just terrible. It kind of makes me long for the days when we had to do everything by practical effects, because those, to me, have aged
1: better. But I also feel it's... I mean, this is kind of sub- subjective, I'm sure, but I also feel a lot of it is... Sometimes the effects look better and sometimes they don't. Because there are some CGI effects of Chideron in earlier episodes that, to me at least, look fine. But that's often because it's very sparsely used or they, the scene itself gives enough time that you can get like a proper look of everything that's happening in that scene. And then sometimes it just looks hilariously goofy. But I still feel like, personally, like I can still give some of these things a pass, but when you still look at this, one looks better than another in comparison.
0: I have another problem with the flying car. Which is? This is another, like, problem that's just inherent to the genre of tokusatsu, and it's power creep slash escalating consequences, and, well, no, this is also an anime thing and also a drama thing, just... Anything that runs long enough needs to introduce higher and higher stakes in order to keep narrative tension going until suddenly everybody is wildly overpowered and the planet's about to blow up.
1: Sounds about right. Sounds like Drive to me.
0: And, you know, all the new, better-than-ever weapons in the ta-da nick of time.
1: This is the part where, before I forget, we mentioned that Drive has informed he's gotten a new type recently.
0: The F1 body... Which, I would like to note, still suffers the trash bag pants issue.
1: I mean, yes, it does, but that's not the part that I noticed. Trash bag in front, lovingly sculpted butt. I mean, one must revere the lovingly sculpted butt. Somebody worked very hard on that. I hope they got paid extra.
0: Yeah, can you imagine what it was like to do that?
1: <laughs> I, can imo- I can imagine that somebody enjoyed it. I can imagine that somebody went do that. But... I feel like that's kind of undercut by the fact that Kamen Rider Drive type formula has a chest plate that is just the front of a fucking F1 car. Just a, bl- just a blue car chest, like it's just there. How does somebody actually stand up in that?
0: It looks like someone repurposed part of one of those race car beds. It's just a lot.
1: It's- Ugh, it's so much to look at.
0: Actually, given that race car beds are usually child's beds, that would have been a very efficient way to do the costuming. Just saw off the first foot of one of those. <laughs> the proportions probably come out right.
1: I just kind of hot glue that to some latex and tell our suit actor to literally stand in it. If, I, if I'm not mistaken, he has like spoilers for brows. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. A lot is happening in that costume. And also, like, the suit itself in, like, the story context is a lot, too. Because Shinosuke is in the middle of a fight with Chase before Chase has his face turned. And Krim looks t- looks up at him from the belt and says, So I have a new shift car for you, but I was keeping it a secret because it wasn't ready yet. He's like, okay, let's do it. And he transforms only to learn... That type formula is moving at top speed all the time. Just standing still gives you a plash, like the very next episode Shino skills in a neck break. That's a lot, you guys. Maybe don't kill the man.
0: Okay, no, actually, let's. Let's kill Tomari so that Kiriko can be the common Rider like she deserves.
1: I mean, yeah, true. There were
0: just a bunch of opportunities for her In this set of episodes, which were completely dropped by the wayside because the narrative is, at this point, dedicated to sidelining her, Kiriko's entire life is people pushing her behind tables or columns or something and going, stay here and don't come out until it's safe.
1: Yep, this is true.
0: I mean, Chase dies and we take his bike back to the drive pit? Just give Kiriko the bike. But the bike is tacky, though. She could have repainted it. I'm sure Rina would have been happy to, like, put some new details on it, make it a little more comfortable. And the second belt! The second belt, Brandon! She should have kept it for
1: herself. The second belt, I have so many. Because Kiriko personally, to give it to Chase, it's not even technically hers to give away. It was made for Go. I mean, Go was being a shit at the time and didn't deserve it, but still.
0: And he also said he didn't want it. I feel like once he said he didn't want it, it was kind of up for grabs.
1: But, like, it should have been because Like, this is your chance now. Oh, 100%. But, I mean, we have yet to learn the very bad reason why she has not become a Kamen Rider. And when you learn, we will have this discussion properly.
0: Is it the same reason she can't be a sushi chef? It,
1: wait, what? That's that's a thing?
0: Yes, it is! For some reason, some people believe that when you're just having people are menstruating, their taste buds go all funny and their sense of smell is dulled so they can't tell if something might be wrong with the fish, and therefore, it is not safe for a person who menstruates to be a sushi chef. You might accidentally poison someone because can't tell the fish has gone
1: off. That sounds like exactly the kind of stupid thing that would probably stop a woman a Kamen Rider. Uh... Big same In part because, like, Kiriko is still a badass in the whole show. She still has the fucking kick-ass steel boots. She's still perfectly capable of and willing to use them to literally kick roid Moods in the face unarmed. She decides to bring Chase back to life for no other reason than because he might, which is the kind of moral uh understanding that we would like to have in our Kamen Rider. He's on a regular. She
0: is a smart, brave person with a well-honed sense of compassion, and she is constantly sidelined by the narrative. Flames on the side of my face. It really bugs me how she's constantly criticized or forced to apologize when she behaves the same way the male characters do, yet they get off scot-free for it. Like, Go hits her, she hits back, but Kiriko's the one in the wrong. I mean, I can see a little bit of it because she's the older sibling and is therefore supposed to be occupying the moral high ground, but, like, he definitely laid hands on her first here, come on. And then later when... Tomari is trying to find out details about his father's death. Tomari shakes and intimidates a witness like, I'm sorry, we are seeing something which I do believe meets the legal definition of battery. And then Kiriko does the same thing a little later, and Tomari tells her off for it.
1: I mean, I want to say the dramatic justification of Tomari's behavior is, Tomari is the only person who's supposed to be intense about his father. But also... You are not wrong. And it's kind of shitty.
0: Kiriko wasn't being intense about Tomari's father. She was being intense about Tomari, which is another way that the narrative is trying to foreshadow they're going to be a couple. She's emotionally invested in the things that matter to
1: him. But, like, this is the point in time where he's, where he's like, constantly, like, this is my business. I need to get these answers. Don't do this for me. Like...
0: He's such a mess right now, but in general, I would like it very much if all the cops in this show could just be a little bit less handy with witnesses and civilians, like, ooh, a lot of this is falling into a legal grey area where it's not exactly what I could call police brutality, but it's certainly a level of police handsiness that we should not be rising to. Oh my god.
1: Police handsiness. I feel like this is a good place to also just mildly mention that five shooter handguns are still shooting six and seven bullets.
0: <laughs> I've given up on that point.
1: <laughs> yeah, just pouring bullets. There is a scene where six police officers are facing out, facing off against a roid in a in a warehouse, and I swear to God, one of them fires eight shots without like ever blinking or hesitating. I
0: just want this show to show me one person reloading. I just need to see one person reload, once, and I would be willing to forgive so much
1: about how they deal with guns. Nope, it's not important. Remember, the bullets still don't do anything. They're just to remind us that they're cops and that they have guns.
0: Wait, Kirko's bullets are supposed to do something? They made a whole big deal about her getting the upgraded ones.
1: I mean, yes, this is true, and since that's happened, you've seen her use her gun again, me, twice. Because everybody keeps telling her to get out of fights. <sighs> yep. Kiriko deserves better. Hashtag Kiriko is Better 20. And the, the show didn't even come out in 2019 and Kiriko still deserves better. That's how important this is.
0: I know that the show wanted me to feel something at the end of episode 20. At the end of episode 32, when they show Tomari lying on the ground, supposedly dead. Like, I know that was supposed to be an emotional moment for me, but the emotion I felt was, hey, maybe now Kiriko could be the common Rider.
1: And then the uh, coming up next segment of the episode for uh, episode 33 is like, nah, Kiriko's gonna have a lot of feeling. Which is fine. Can she have feelings while she transforms? Just a little.
0: I also feel like it wasn't an effective cliffhanger just because Tomari has plot armor. I know he's not going to die.
1: Well, I mean, he's dead. Well, I mean, he's dead. He's dead. He's dead.
0: Yeah, but he's gonna Harry Potter himself back to life. Some pure of force of love is going to bring him back.
1: Iori, you don't want... do not want to discover exactly when he comes back. Oh, I think boy. It, I think it's really funny. I, I... Th- I... In fact, I don't even think that it's funny. I actually think that it is very mean the way that it happened. But I also expect it to be very frustrating. (laughs) And I I will tell you no more.
0: So, there are two deaths that I actually believe will happen on this show. Well, one and a half. Mm. The half is... I'm still kind of shaky on whether or not Go's going to survive this series. The death I am counting on is that I am completely expecting the Tomari... Kiriko Chase Pseudo Love Triangle to be resolved by Chase, realizing Kiriko could never ever be happy with his weird roboty self and sacrificing himself to save Tomari.
1: Um I'm not going to answer any of your predictions.
0: Yeah, you don't need to comment, I'm just being
1: genre savvy. hmm I am going to say, do know Chase well, but you don't know who Chase cares up well. Chase. Chase becomes a lot as we continue this series. I, I I can't say much more than that. I think you're actually gonna dig a lot of what Chase does coming in to the end of these, but a lot of other things need to happen first, like to stop being a shit. He spends a lot of shit. Go is shit.
0: He really is.
1: <laughs> Go, uh, Go is solely motivated by the idea that his dad is the bad guy and then continue to make, continues to make bad This under the guise that to solve that problem is him. But, eh. We have... Before we even, like, even continue get getting into Go, I feel like we need to talk about 001 slash Freeze.
0: Oh, boy. So my major question here is, when Tomari goes after him, like, my boy, did you perhaps stop to consider the possible consequences of you... Uh, basically killing the secretary of defense
1: <laughs> i think a lot of people just didn't consider the like actual consequences of attempting to get in a fight vi- get in a fight with the ministry of defense because hong ganji uh who is again the greatest thing that to ever happened to this, like absolutely like have come into the discovery that all of the seemingly silly and stupid decisions that he made uh are all in the service of some higher administrative role that makes his special crimes unit uh so much more uh, powerful administratively as a result. Um, purposely decides he's just going to let the world know Tomarishinosuke is Kamen rider drive. Like, let's just put in the newspaper and see what happened. And then they ask him later, why did you and he's like, Oh, I think somebody in the Ministry of Defence is a Roy- and I can't prove it, so now we just have to make them have to deal with us. Uh, immediately after doing that, we discover that uh, Captain Nira of the First Precinct is uh, a terrible that person. That guy. Is the, the world's cruelest comic relief.
0: That guy
1: spends all of his time just coming into the special scene unit, like, kicking down the door, and laughing at everybody and making everybody a living hell. Literally.
0: Don't forget the completely gross disregard for personal space where he's, like, rubbing his cheek on Q's <laughs> neck.
1: Yeah. And laughing like a hyena the whole time. And skipping and dancing. I like Nira, because that's a special kind of evil. That hyena kind of evil is fun. He's
0: a lot of fun to hate. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Especially like when we get to the point where don't think uh that we can trust him at this point. Oh hell no. Like Shinosuke goes up to him and gives him like vital information that the the Secretary of Defense is a royal and he goes and looks at it like Oh, oh, that makes sense. Tears it in half and laughs. It's like Grr! I just want I I wanted to sp- uh, like most of my notes from twenty episode twenty-five onward are just me wanting to ring Nira's neck.
0: So the actual question that I have here is, the Minister of Defense is directly appointed by the Prime Minister. Since we keep having, like, scale creep, I am basically waiting for the reveal that the Prime Minister is also a Roy Mude.
1: That would be a lot.
0: Just because we need a bigger Big Bad. We're only on episode 32 out of 48, so once Freeze is defeated, we're going to need a bigger big bad, and that's basically the next logical place to go, she said, as though logic dictates the plot of Kamen Rider.
1: I don't that was a tragic mis- Um yeah. I will spare you and say that's not what's going to happen, because that would be a lot and a half. I, I, like, that would be too much evil.
0: Well, the defense minister is obviously me. May- meant for us to question how far the corruption goes
1: i think like i have a lot of particularly interesting freeze uh interkiller and the fact that this is the point where we start getting more closely to this idea that has been hinted at much earlier by other royudes this personal concept of a thing called the promised number that a certain number of roidnutes will ascend to their perfect, uh, evolved form, and when that happens, like that's when it's when that's when the roidnutes are ready to take over, and that's when we learn that not only is uh, 001 about to evolve, but that emotional drive that he's relying on in order to get to that uh, supremely evolved state is not joy like it like it is with heart or like frustration or rage like it has been with any of the other roid mutes but that 001 is purely motivated by humiliation and that could have gone really poorly
0: i'm glad they didn't take that any of the really terrible places they could have
1: they could have taken that to some absolutely tragic embarrassing place but i just like the idea that instead what they did was 001 has brilliant plans about how to solve all of his problems and hates it when seemingly insignificant people uh not in a position to be taken advantage of by him like this his whole obsession with the fact that he has the ability to manipulate other people's memories by like stabbing them in the brain with a small piece of ice and then he learns oh twenty something people are just immune out of nowhere nothing special about them they're not interesting people they just can't have their brains bamboozled so he literally kidnaps them all.
0: Because how very dare they. It's like,
1: that's a lot, friend. Like, they they didn't even care about you. Like, what's wh- what's happening here? Stop it. They
0: were minding their own business.
1: I mean, technically everybody's minding their own business. Freeze yeah. literally wiped his entire office's brain several times over just because the police confronted him in his office. It's like, okay, that's not gonna do anything permanently to all of your staff. Cool.
0: I do love that this contextualizes why Gen can't pronounce Roy mute.
1: That was actually kind of cool. When Rina comes out in the office with the, the antidote spray that she's made and Gen is like, okay, I'm ready to to test this out and see. And then he just turns, gets one large puff of smoke directly in the nostrils. And he's like, oh, I can say Roy mute now. Thank you. That was delightful. Like, everything about that, even how it's framed to the camera, like, this this is the big deal we've been waiting for. He has been saved from his error. I love that a lot.
0: Why didn't they bother looking behind his ear, though, once they learned that Freeze leaves a mark? I feel like it would have been useful to do that before they spritz him in the face. Just making
1: sure. I guess it doesn't matter. It worked. It worked. There are no long-term effects, we hope.
0: I wonder if those little snowflake scars are going to be permanent.
1: Probably not. I don't- well, I mean, you don't see it again, so... It's either gone or it doesn't matter. One of those Kamen Rider things.
0: Yes, but... I am waiting for Kiriko to find out that Chase was lying to her about whether or not Go was brainwashed.
1: I mean, Chase's big deal now is... He notices everybody's intense attachments to family. Mm -hmm. So he kind of doesn't want to let Kiriko down. Yeah. Uh, And while that's not his decision to make and kind of creepy, I want to say it is kind of endearing that his only motivation for caring about other people's family is that he cannot fathom family and wants to. It's
0: just like, uh, my dude, I know you are lying for a good reason, but this is going to backfire so hard. This is going to be so extremely backfired, and we're going to all regret everything.
1: I have faith that chase That's what robots are figuring things out.
0: I feel like we're not great at it right now.
1: Nope. We're terrible. It's not working. But hopefully.
0: I will point out, however, that the robots remain excellent at fashion. If I'm going to cosplay anybody out of this show, it's going to be medic because I really love that dress.
1: The human dress, not the monster costume.
0: Definitely the human dress. You could not pay me to wear that much latex. Especially with how hot it gets in summer over here. I'm not taking that to call me care. Fair. That said, I have discovered that I have a fashion pet peeve on this show. And it's that when Tomari puts the belt on, (laughs) the belt pins his necktie to him.
1: I mean, the tie is actually kind of long. Oh, it's
0: very too long for him.
1: I don't think anybody's... The tie is actually... There are are scenes and episodes where the tie is past the belt, and it's like, "Eh, nah, that's kind of uncool. That
0: happens by default to a lot of people over here. It's the nature of neckties, somehow. This is actually a problem that I have constantly. Unless I make the skinny end of the tie really long, like about equal length to the fat end of the tie... That tie is going past my a belt. Welcome to the wonderful world of being under about uh, five foot seven. I think is probably the threshold I'd have to be for a tie to fit me
1: properly. I want to say just another bad problem. I have a lot of ties, th- and I only know how to tie a tie two ways. I can't even remember. I haven't worn a tie since high school. I have a I have a lot of tie thought, which is weird. I guess we should also mention a lot of pants.
0: Oh the pants on this show. Sometimes the pants on this show just make me want to curl up in a corner and cry for a while.
1: Um, that's an intense experience.
0: Just why do you make things out of this material? Why do you have sculpted ass plates? Do the ass plates actually provide any kind of shock absorption when you land on them?
1: I want to say they probably do.
0: Because they look fairly rigid. They look rigid enough that I am... Genuinely concerned that an ass plate will shatter and impale one of our common riders.
1: <laughs> that that sounds like a terrible thing to happen to a suit actor. I feel like that's not the case. um. I feel like all of the productive answers are uh because shiny fabric is shiny and because we want you to see the ass. Both of which is fine by me. Chase's
0: pants are tight in both front and back, which was interesting.
1: This is true. Also, in planning, I mean, a lot of Chase's new suit is. Actually, right. Like he goes from. Oh, I was talking about like the normal human clothes pants, not even the suit. I mean that too. Like Chase is a lot and a half. Still, you'd expect that when he has his face turned, some element of his style would change. No, all he knows purple chain. Cowl
0: neck biker jacket. It's,
1: it's so it's so beautiful.
0: It's so hot topic, and I love it. Yep. Gos dead Hate suit also has some interesting stuff going on with the butt sculpting. There are plates, but the plates are cut in a way where there's, like, God, I don't want to say a cleavage window, especially since it's covered with spandex, but it's kind of a cleavage window. It's just a very badly shaped idea. And I'm not sure what the costume department was thinking, or if it was one of those let's see what we can get away with kind of
1: deals. I feel like that was probably an accident. I feel like that was a kind of measurement issue. But that's just me. I actually think that's perhaps of the two versions of Dead Heat, it's the worst. And it's also the worst. It's also just like Stan Goon, Max mock suit.
0: I liked the original mock suit. I liked his dumb scarf so much.
1: Yeah, but I guess we needed to give him a power up. And it's the only one he gets, I think. Does he get another one? He might get one later, but...
0: It'd be kind of a bummer if this is his only one.
1: I mean, I kind of like the whole I'm strong as I am setup is actually kind of delightful.
0: Oh, that was just, like, straight up adorable? I would like something along the lines of I'm strong as I am, but I could also look a lot more styling.
1: (laughs) That would also be nice. Undeniably.
0: Q's a geek. I bet Q can sew, so. And now that Q knows the secret, I see no reason not to let Q help
1: with the costumes. Fair. I think rena shared that.
0: I think we need to talk about the copaganda happening here.
1: Oho? I have a lot of particular copaganda. Primarily, as we have previously stated, there's just a lot of administrative weirdness taking place all over Lee's here.
0: Oh my god.
1: To the point where... I wasn't sure if the show was attempting to say that you should trust the police because there are police officers who are will do whatever is necessary to make sure that justice is served. Or that you shouldn't trust the police because the police are broken at every possible level and that the good guys don't know that they're being taken advantage of by the bad guys and therefore also cannot be trusted. And I want to say that I think that the fact that the Secretary of Defense ends up being a villain leans towards the latter.
0: So, I think what's going on here is that we needed, narratively, a way to demonstrate that Tomari's moral compass is unyielding in the face of authority. So, basically, in order to drive home his rightness, okay, what are the two things that cops fight against traditionally in this kind of police drama genre? Bureaucratic restriction and criminals. So, essentially, when you have, grr, the cop who's willing to do things in an unorthodox way to get justice served, that's not good, because bureaucracy is a necessary set of checks and balances that are theoretically supposed to keep the police from abusing their power. So, if you narratively want to show a cop flouting those restrictions, you need to manufacture reasons why the bureaucracy is corrupt or broken to justify this kind of protagonist-centered morality.
1: All of this is fair. I guess the difficulty I'm having as a result is that setup also informed us that other good guys whose protagonist-centered morality we have trusted in individual arcs before. Like, again, we're literally... Entirely mentally taken advantage advantage of by bureaucracy to the point where they were not even aware of the fact that they had given privileged information directly to the Secretary of Defense and had their minds entirely wiped. And while I know that we're supposed to trust Shinosuke as a result, I feel like that larger image is still one of um there are good guys who behave like good guys who will never know that the system has already uh, gotten its claws into them in ways that manipulate their ability to actually do good. Mm-hmm. Which I think is complex and interesting. Uh, at, not only in this context, but in that like wider uh, context of what kind of message are we sending to audiences about uh, Because. Ultimately, it says then that there is a kind of police officer that you can't trust, and this is what it looks like. And kind of trusting an audience took to for it in the wild, which I think is even more dangerous.
0: Yeah, that is straight terrifying.
1: Yep, I'm worried. I'm afraid for you.
0: Basically, I think the portrayal of the police here is more focused on justifying Tomari's actions than it is at this point presenting a coherent image of the police as doing good, but certainly the narrative highlights individual police as doing good, and heavily romanticizes the idea that there's this spirit of justice which animates a police officer's actions. We see it in those Gen-centric episodes when he talks about his dekadamashi, his detective's soul. (laughs) And Also, when he has the moment of arresting the killer and going to arrest his own mentor, because it's about due process and this idealization of the system has to be right and we are relying on the system to serve justice. When, in fact, now the system's broken as hell. But narratively, we refuse to recognize that unless it directly serves to make Tomari write about something. So, it's going to be okay when Tomari eventually does wind up fighting the Minister of Defense again and probably killing him, because Tomari was right that he was evil.
1: But, like, there's no, like, ideal way that that ends. Either you kill the Secretary of Defense, a thing that I imagine the Ministry of Defense needs to operate, or you arrest him and he just, like, does a thing. I mean, we know that he's going to get murdered. Um, and we know that it's supposed morally right given give circumstances. But when a system is broken, you don't just force the system. Like, you need to have an answer. Unless you're the protagonist. Yeah, I mean, it's Kamen Rider. Kamen Rider doesn't need to answer life's questions. But at least assume to answer life's questions with the characters who will... I can't even remember what happens at this point, but I know that it's not actually systemically satisfying but i guess we have to get to that point i mean we need to wake shinosuke from the dead or we
0: could not we could not and let kiriko be the common rider i'm just saying
1: i agree with But we all what's going to happen. And I can't wait for us to actually have a conversation like when it does happen. Which will happen in our next upcoming series of episodes. Where we load up
0: number 33 through 48. The final third of the series.
1: Yep. Where we answer even more interesting and not so interesting questions at high speed. Like, how does Shinosuke come back from the dead? How did his father die? Will we ever discover exactly why Tenjiro Bano did any of the things that he did? Will Go stop being a shit? Will we just give Kiko a bell or All these questions and more. Is Chase
0: going to kiss anyone ever?
1: <laughs> Maybe. I don't need to know the answer to that one. I'm fine. Ruin all of my personal images and myself. <coughs> <laughs> Claire's throat. So that will be our next uh, episode digging into the, f- the final third of Kamen Rider Drive, where things get even more intense quickly. Um, but also, interestingly, very, very hilarious at some very point. I think are really cool, but we will get to that when we see
0: In the meantime, we'd like to thank Skiffy and Fanty for hosting us on their network.
1: And we'd definitely like to thank Cannibal Saracenian for Beautiful, which I still love and adore every time I see it. And you can literally uh, check him on... Instagram or Twitter, and literally get a commission for anything that you want, Kamen Rider really or not.
0: And in the meantime, I'm Brandon. I'm Iori.
1: And please remember to be, be transformed, transformed and, and stay righteous. righteous.
0: Thank you for listening to Righteous Kicks, a member of the Skiffy and Fanti Network. If you would like to contact us, you can do so at skiffyandfanti at gmail.com, or you can contact the hosts, Brandon O'Brien and Iori Kusano, directly at righteouskickscast at gmail.com. You can find them individually on Twitter at The Rising Tithes or at Iori Kusano. If you are interested in other podcasts in the Skiffy and Fanti Network, please visit us at skiffyandfanti.com. If you would like to support the network, you can do so at patreon.com slash SkiffyInfanti. Keep up to date with all of the things at the Skiffy Infanti network by going to SkiffyInfanti.com newsletter. Music for this podcast comes from Extake Rooks, Shinigami. You can find more about them at freemusicarchive.org.